Hello, Celia Jessen here. I'm the host of this show. Well, I say host, really, I'm just an ordinary woman. Like you, I find fireworks unnerving at the best of times. I'm sick of the sight of my husband, Fred, whilst at the same time appreciating his company for the first time in years. He's in the shed. And I dislike Prosecco as a drink and also as a flavour. Oh, welcome to our podcast. It's going to be such fun with talks, reviews and interviews and japes for everyone. Celia, what's going on? Oh, Fred, please stop your queries. I'm doing another episode of this, our second series. A second series, eh? What larks? Did we make any money? Oh, Fred, that's not how podcasts work. The very notion's funny. Listen to to our our podcast if you're not indisposed. We We tried to use the library, but it was blooming closed. I'm recording this from my airing cupboard, as I'm not able to use the library at the current time. Today we're going to be hearing a rap about Anne's Pasties, a Cornish company who do mail-order pasties from Anne's Kitchen in the Lizard in Cornwall. We're looking at a cookbook all about snaring a man, entitled How to Cook Your Bachelor's Goose by Ruth G. Zoltzman, published in New York in 1969, and we'll be hearing some advice about how to spice up your relationship. We're going to be also taking a look at the only time in my life where I decided to go on a fad diet. But first, the first part of How to Spice Up Your Relationship in our new Airing Cupboard Advice Special. After a while, even the strongest relationship can start to get a bit stale and might need a little spicing up. Fred and I have tried various things to spice up our marriage, orienteering, spelunking, poker work, whist, We were once invited to a very strange party in nearby Beeching Peck, where after dinner all the men put their car keys into a bowl and the women had to pick them out. So we came away with a brand new Persho, which was lovely. So, here are a few things you can try to make your relationship more interesting. Some of them are things Fred and I have tried and some are things I've heard about from friends at the church coffee morning. Role Play This is something Angela Funnell and her husband Ted do. Basically, it's dressing up and pretending to be other people. Sometimes he's a gendarme and she's a speeding Belgian motorist. Sometimes he's an injured coal miner and she's an aristocratic suffragette. And sometimes he's a disgraced dentist and she's a female disgraced dentist. It's done wonders for their relationship, apparently. They do it every Saturday afternoon at 4.30, if you fancy catching a peek through their basement window. Pretend you've just met. This sounds a bit silly, but basically you agree to meet for an assignment at a restaurant or pub and you make out you've never clapped eyes on one another before. It's meant to take you back to the very beginnings of your relationship when things were as fresh, new and exciting as the first dawn, according to a copy of Cosmo I read in the podiatrist's waiting room. Fred and I tried this once, but it didn't go very well. Fred misunderstood the concept and thought he had to pretend to have complete amnesia. So the evening progressed with me asking if he wanted the salt and him saying, what's salt? And so on. It was very tedious. And finally, for this part one, be spontaneous. Now, this is about doing something wild and crazy at the drop of a hat, like suddenly jumping on a plane to see the Temple of Artemis or, or going to the, the big Ikea in Croydon on a Saturday. Fred isn't the most spontaneous man in the world. In fact, he claims to have only been spontaneous once in 1979 when he bought a Swiss army knife without looking up the specs in a catalogue first. 
Helen Muncaster from Number 63's husband does this. Last year, she was leaving for work one day when he pulled up in a stretch limousine and whisked her off for a weekend in Las Vegas. I told Fred about this, and all he said was that to drive a stretch limo for up to eight passengers, you needed a PHV license, whereas for nine passengers or more, you needed a PSV license. Then he went on about people who flout vehicle standards rules until bedtime. That concludes part one of our spicing up advice in the airing cupboard. You're listening to Wife on Earth. Well, I've been clearing out my paperwork in the spare room and I found an old diary I thought I'd read to you now. It's from about 2003. Yes, it says it here, 2003. Monday. I've decided to change my diet. Mrs. Clack is a newly qualified nutritionalist and has prescribed me with some enormous tablets. They are whoppers. I made some minor adjustments to my meal plans. I'm giving up milk, bread, lard, meat, butter, mushrooms, all wheat, bangos my Friday steak pudding, caffeine, and I'm going to miss tea most awfully, cigarettes, I know I should, and alcohol, including the brandy in the first aid box. We did laugh. Pasta, cheese, sugar, and snowboarding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm being silly. Wrong list. Anyway, I think I'm going to thoroughly enjoy this modern diet. The only question is, whatever will I eat? Tuesday. I think fish is all right, so today I've had two tins of pilchards. They're really rather delicious when mashed with a completely different flavour. Fred and the children are so terribly loud all the time. Funny I've not noticed it before. Wednesday. Had hot water and lem sip for breakfast. Thought I saw Fred set off for work in a tracksuit and Indian headdress. I'm beginning to hallucinate. Became quite jealous of Fred and the children's tea today. Virtually drooled over my plain corn cake as they polished off the apple crumble and custard. I do hope Mrs. Clack knows what she's doing. Well, these modern methods are a mystery to me. Thursday. I've been hallucinating Benson and Hedges floating about, and I never even took them. So I decided to rearrange the bookshelves. But now they're all over the floor, and I can't think straight. Should they be put back alphabetically in height order, or, or like a rainbow? Oh, dear. I feel too weak to eat an apple. All that chomping drives me mad. Feeling quite ill, I can't think why. I've not eaten for two days. Friday. Nearly drank some echinacea this morning, but when Fred pointed out that the innoxious herb is carried in 40% alcohol and newly forbidden, I frowned and forewent it. Right. I'm off into town now to post a letter. It won't take long. I'll take the train. Oh, good. Here comes the food trolley. I am starving. Now, I can't have tea, caffeine or dairy. A sandwich would be nice. Oh, dear. Egg mayonnaise may as well have horns. And it's on thin white sliced. That's a no-no. How lucky I am that I know the perils of modern cuisine. Look at that poor woman opposite eating that fresh brownie. She has no idea that I am superior and more organised. I suddenly feel terribly angry. Must be the toxins leaving my system. There's a mint in my bag, but may as well be contraband. Oh, dear. Oh, look at that man. He's going to buy something. Is he? Isn't he? Make up your mind. People are so dreadfully annoying. I can't stand it. Oh, oh, listen to me. I'm so awfully tense. I wish I could be funny about it, but I can't. Oh, look, we're pulling into Fetchley. There's our postman. He's getting on. If only I could give him my letter, it'd save me a trip. Oh, here he comes. Oh, I can't remember his name, and I'm not wearing a hat. Oh, I'd better hide behind this newspaper. I can spy on him in the glass. 
and then he asked me if the newspaper beside me was spare. I replied that it was, and then I knew he didn't recognise me at all. He's eating a biscuit. He's got the best part of a packet on him. I feel dizzy. He's eating and listening to his iPod at the same time. Eating, listening, chewing, reading and eating. The music was too loud, I thought to myself. It's as bad for him as those lovely little evil discs of lard rolled in sugar and flour and then baked hard. What is he listening to? I closed my eyes and then I realised it was something a little bit retro. I could hear it as clearly as he could. It was Robbie Williams. The Robbie Williams. That delightful creature. The music seemed to grow louder and louder and suddenly I saw us together. Me and Robbie Williams dancing about, his hands holding mine. The sunlight reflecting from his shiny nose like an imitation diamond. Me spinning around the pole like in a music video set on a train. Robbie, may I call you Robert? We haven't heard from you in a while. I know, it's been Justin Timberlake that, Ed Sheeran this. Weren't you going to conquer America? I failed. Oh, Robbie, but I think you're wonderful, Robbie Williams. I'm not. I'm not particularly remarkable. Don't say that. It's true. Angels is incredibly simple, but in a bad way. I suppose you're right. But what about that time you dropped your trousers on telly? I tried to get more attention, he said. Even more? Yes. I'm trying to distract from my hollering. You mean you're singing? Yes. But dropping your trousers is delightful. It was a boyish antic, admittedly, but I am middle-aged. Well, at least you're handsome. Am I? Just after I was in Take That, maybe. When the fame gets to you, it shows. Now people say I look like a startled woman. Oh, yes. Or, or a teacher about to have a nervous breakdown in front of a class. No, I've not heard that one, he frowned. You know, I'm probably friends with Ricky Gervais. Oh, really? I love you, Robbie Williams. Yes, he's jolly good. Oh, bye, stop. And in that terrible moment, I realised I must have shouted, I love you, Robbie Williams, at the top of my lungs for the whole carriage to hear. Oh, yes, I said to the postman. I'm getting off here, too. And then followed that awful, awkward silence, when the air is filled with unspoken desire. We stood side by side on the platform, the iPod still playing something or other. I wanted it to stop. I wanted the whole blasted escapade to be over. I wanted it to stop. I wanted to eat something. I wish he'd offered me a biscuit. Oh, look, it's a replacement bus service to Upper Thicket. Do you think we should change here or to be quicker to stay on the train? Change here, I replied. I was being impetuous. I really don't know. Cigarette? He offered me a cigarette and then put one in his own mouth while he lit it first. Then he beckoned me forth and lit my cigarette with his. And for a moment it was as though our lips were connected by a thin white paper tube held gently between them, filled with leaves on fire. Oh, I was being perfectly ridiculous. He nearly burnt my nose with a ten-inch flame, and it was all in my wretched imagination. Everyone likes a smoker, I said. Goodbye. And I turned and walked away, looking for, I don't know, a postbox, perhaps, to post my letter. And so, dear diary, now I'm home. Fred is still doing Sudoku Advanced. But I tell you this, I'm going to have the biggest slap-up lunch you've ever seen today. No modern diet for me. Tonight it's suet pud. So until next time, dear diary, goodbye. Yo, what's that in the post? It's the food that I like the most. Potatoes, onions, meat and turnip. Put it in the oven, but please don't burn it. They'll keep in the fridge or the freezer you want. Something to eat, well, it couldn't be easier. They're not like other pasties, you know. Give ants most all pasties a go. Yo, did you catch that though? Let me spell it out for you nice and slow. A to the N to the N to the S. If you're going to have a pasty, you might as well have the best. And now it's time on our 
Celia's uh, wife on her book-based podcast. We're not in the library, but we're still going to do our book review. And today I'm looking at To Cook a Bachelor's Goose by Ruth G. Satsman. I think I called her Saltzman earlier, didn't I? I'm terrible at this. And this was published in 1969 by the Western Publishing Company in New York, USA. And this book is all about uh, catching a husband. But first of all, you have to identify the man that you're trying to catch. So, for example, uh, we have different types of man. Uh, Lunch for Mr. Candid, for example. Easy there. He's so clever. You'd better polish your wits as well as your silver. So there's uh, Mr. Candid. I don't know anyone like that, do you? Lunch for Mr. Bashful. He's a whole refresher course, hard to find but easy to take, a shining light who's never dull. No, no, no one springs to mind. Um, And it's got lots of lovely, lovely ideas in here for food. I'm going to read a little extract to you so you get an idea of the flavour of it. Um, It's an American book, so I'm going to have to do my best. Here we go. Saturday lunch, or how to keep an eye on him when he's not working. He just won't think of inviting you out for Saturday lunch. Poor wifeless soul. No, I can't do it. It's too ridiculous. Sorry. Anyway, uh, so this is a very interesting book. There is a bit where he has a birthday party and you're meant to buy him a a shop-bought cake. So it's not really a a wonderful recipe book, but it is quite entertaining. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit here, a bit of advice at the start, which is quite good, actually. I don't know if anyone's ever fallen prey to this one. It says, read it right. A word to the wise. Always read each recipe in the menu well ahead of time. Now, one day Fred promised to make me a lovely quiche and I was really in the mood for a quiche. Unfortunately, the recipe was called a cheese flan and it was from the Crossroads cookery book, which he thought was hilarious. And when he made it, it turned out it contained no eggs. And so our cheese flan consisted of some cheese sauce on some, in, a, in a pond on some pastry and I've never let him forget it. Saturday lunch, or how to keep an eye on him when he's not working. He just won't think of inviting you out for Saturday lunch. Have some music playing softly when he arrives. Forget time. Don't wear a watch. Do wear the prettiest daytime dress in your wardrobe so you're ready to go out after lunch if he suggests it. But don't plan anything like a movie or a play or concert. Just know it's playing where and what new shows have opened at the museums, galleries or whatever, just in case he asks. Your sole desire is to give him a lovely, leisurely lunch. How you rushed around with your laundry and cleaning and cooking, he'll never know. But then, all in good time... And now it's time for the final part of our spicing up your relationship advice. Compliment each other. Couples in long-term relationships can grow to know each other so well that they essentially become invisible to each other apparently. So one way to keep things chipper is to compliment each other several times daily. I tried this with Fred last Thursday. I asked him to compliment me. He thought for 45 minutes and then said... You make the third best bread and butter pudding I've ever tasted. I said, well, that's very nice, but it's hardly Romeo and Juliet, is it? But by that time, he'd already gone down to the cellar to carry on working on his hornby. And finally, send flirty text messages. This only works if you have a mobile phone, of course. I mean, you could probably do something similar via Morse code or an Olgis lamp, but I'm not sure if it'd work quite as well. I decided to try this with Fred... They didn't do flirting when I was at school, so I had to look up how to do it. I waited till Fred was at work, then I sent him a message saying, I'm at home waiting for you. He didn't reply, so I sent one that said, I'm wearing grey slacks and a brown button-up sweater. No reply. So I sent one that said, it's casserole for dinner, kiss kiss. Nothing. I thought, what's the matter with the man? Is he made of stone? 
Then I looked at my phone and realised I'd made a mistake and all the time I'd been texting the gas board and I was terribly embarrassed about it. There was no uh, going back really after that. I couldn't text them back. But the next time we got our bill, it was actually 20% cheaper. So every cloud has a silver lining. This episode was written by Joanna Neary and Joseph Nixon with Head Love and music written and performed by Head Love and Pad McLean and performed by Joanna Neary. This was a Wife on Earth production for Cosmic Shambles Network.